Good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. Welcome to Cross Point. So we're the ones that didn't go on vacation. Is that what it is? So, all right. Some of you guys look kind of sad about that. Like, uh, we're going to be the blessed ones and uh, being able to spend some time in the Word. A couple of things really quick. I was just thinking about last week, um, Sunday evening, especially, we had our barbecue. And I don't know if you noticed, but we, if you were here... You had to be blessed. We had over, I think, easily over 50 people that were here for the first time, right? I counted, um, we had to meet first, and there was about 50, if not more, uh, whether people from Upward, a lot of families from Upward, and that was really a blessing. Got a chance to meet a lot of new people, and, and uh, kind of reminds us of why we're doing Upward and, and why we have a local congregation in our responsibility and privilege to be able to be a place where people can come and, and, and fellowship, but also hear God's word. And so that's what we're here to do this morning. Um, my Spanish folks, bienvenidos, ¿qué tal, cómo están? ¿Ya tienen sus audífonos? ¿Sí? Si, no tiene, si alguien aquí habla solamente español y no tiene audífonos, levante la mano y Héctor lo va a proveer un, unos audífonos. That was Spanish for the rest of you who didn't, uh, were wondering what was going on. So today we do have a combined service, which means normally I would be in the Spanish service in the next building, having our Spanish service only, and uh, only the English group would be here. But today we, since uh, Pastor Bruce is on vacation, we decided uh, we have a, a combined service today. All right, so they'll be uh, translating the English message. Very good. Let me, uh, <clears throat> this morning, uh, I'm excited, I'm excited to share with you God's word and we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. So if you would open your Bibles to that. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. So we're going through the book of James. I know Bruce is, is, is much farther along than I am. So I figured rather than trying to reconcile both, I'm just going to go back to uh, something that I, I touched on but didn't really get into when I went through this uh, portion in James. So I want to expand on that this morning. So, James chapter 1, 16 through 18, and the title of this morning's message is The Word of Truth. The Word of Truth. Now, if you remember, or if you were here last week, we talked about the wrath of man, right? I was a little heavy. The wrath of man. We talked about how, as human beings, we're prone to anger, and how our anger is not the righteous, normally God's you know, the type of anger that, that God experiences, which is a righteous and perfect anger. But most of the time when we get angry, we lose our temper and we do things, say things, and behave in ways that are contrary to God's righteousness. So we talked a little bit about that. So, um, so today we're going to talk about uh, the word of truth, the word of truth. And we're going to look at four points, five if we get there. We're going to look at, let me just really quickly go through them. Uh, the first point we're going to look at is the word of truth reveals. The word of truth reveals. The second point is that the word of truth, uh, the word of truth resisted. Resisted. 
Then the word of truth rejected and the word of truth received. And at the end, we're going to make a little bit of application talking about how, what our response should be to that. So they all start with R's. I'm going to quiz you at the end. Make sure you got all the points and then we'll take it from there. But right now, the word of truth is the title. James chapter 1, 16 through 18. I'll go ahead and read that. If you guys would follow along. Then we'll spend some time in his word. It says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Pray with me. Gracious Father, we come to you once again this Sunday morning. Beautiful Sunday morning. Thanking you for your blessings. Thanking you for allowing us to be here. And, uh, and just asking, Father, that you would bless our time here. That um, you would allow us the opportunity to, to pay attention to you. That we would realize what a privilege it is to, to come to a place like this and just being able, able to open up your word and hear from you. So we ask that you would uh, uh, speak to us and that your word would find open minds and open hearts to receive your word. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. All right, the word of truth. So today we get a chance to just talk about God's word. I don't know if you realize this or how much we all realize this, but having God's revealed truth in writing is awesome. I don't know what other word. I know we use awesome a lot, but it's awesome. You know, there's so much confusion in the world, in our communities, and even in our churches sometimes about who God is, whether God exists. If he does exist, why do these things happen? And, and, and these things happen, so maybe God's like this. And we start imagining all these things. And I think one of the biggest dangers for any of us is to believe in a God that only exists in our imagination. And that's scary. Because a lot of people have this question, you know, if there's only one God, what's the deal with all these different religions? Right? If there's only one God and one truth, what's with all these different denominations? And these people say they're right, and you say you're right. So how do we know? There's all this confusion. There's all this doubt. So how do we get to the bottom of it? You know, at, at work, so I teach seventh grade, and I, I teach science. And, and usually seventh grade, it's life science. We start off with, you know, the scientific method. You guys remember that, right? And the first step is inquiry, asking questions, wondering about things. So I always start off my year giving my students a project right off the bat. Boom. Project number one. And the project is called... The I Wonder Project. And I ask my students just to wonder and look around and think about what kind of things do you wonder about? What kind of things do you find interesting? Maybe that aren't explained and, and you just wonder about these things. You know, what, what are you curious about? And inevitably, every year, and I think especially this year, I had so many students say, I wonder if God exists. You know, and I wonder what is the meaning of life. I had, a, I mean, probably maybe half of my students. So they have to wonder about three things, write about it, you know, make a drawing, and then present it to the whole group. And, and I'd say about close to half of my students had some kind of a question about that. I wonder if God exists. I wonder if God is real. I wonder what is the meaning of life. I mean, if we're all going to die, why do we live? Kind of things like that. I'm thinking like, all right, come to my church. I can't tell you right now, but if you come to church on Friday nights, we'll explain that to you thoroughly. All right? Uh, so it, it, it's interesting that there's so much doubt and there's so much confusion and so much skepticism about, you know, what is truth. Pontius Pilate, you know, the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, I came to bear truth. And Pontius Pilate says, 
truth, what is truth? So this morning we get a chance to discuss, talk about, and look at God's word in, in relation to the word, the word of truth. My main point this morning is that as Christians, God's word needs to be a highly treasured prize that is at the center of every aspect of our lives. As Christians, as Christian, as Christ followers, as believers in Christ, God's word needs to be a highly treasured prize that's at the center of every aspect of our lives. I mean, in every relationship of our lives, the word of God needs to be there. Every decision that we make, do I take that job or not? Do I take this promotion or do I seek after this or not? How do I treat this person? Do I stop talking to him or do I humble myself and apologize? Every aspect of our lives, God's word needs to be at the center. What does God want? I got to mention this to you. You know, I feel so blessed having grown up in the church that I did and having the pastor that I did. Uh, My pastor, Salvador Delgado, he pastored the same church for about 60 years. Not 16, 60. 60, just to clear up. 60 years. So he started when he was three. No, I'm kidding. He, he was a World War II vet. You're going to get tired of hearing this story. Hopefully you don't, but I'm going to keep repeating. World War II vet. He went to Biola for 10 years through the GI Bill. 10 years. Studied under Dr. McGee and Feinberg and Davis and all these amazing professors. And, uh, and he just milked it for 10 years. I don't know what he did for 10 years, but he went for 10 years. And then I feel like I was able to be blessed from his studies. After 10 years of, of uh, studying in Biola, and he, he pastored. But one of the biggest things that impacted my life is something that he would repeat constantly. He would say, listen, you don't have to believe me. Believe the Bible. And I was 12, 13 years old, and I grew up listening to that and hearing that and believing that. That I didn't have to hear, or be- I didn't have to believe the person that was up in the pulpit just because he was up in the pulpit. He would say, believe the Bible. Study the Bible. And if I ever make a mistake, let me know. I don't think ever, anybody ever did. But uh, and it, we tried. We tried. Every once in a while. It didn't go well. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. Some of you guys do. So I, I, will re- I, would, I would repeat that to you. You know, Bruce, great teacher. Me, not so much. But that doesn't matter. What matters is what am I telling you from God's truth? And making sure that what I'm telling you is in fact here and that it's being taught correctly. And your responsibility then isn't just to come sit down and listen for 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Today I feel inspired. I'm kidding everyone. But, but to really listen attentively and then compare that to God's word as the Bereans did whether what I said is true or not. And my greatest privilege is to be able to study God's word and then just to come here and share it with you with no strings attached and no personal motives behind it. Just loving God's word and, and being humbled, knowing that I'm in a position to, to, to share his word from what he's taught me. So, all right. Again, so for you as Christians, as Christ followers, God, God's word needs to be a highly treasured prize that is at the center of every aspect of our lives. And, uh, and keep in mind, there's so much ignorance and confusion about God in this culture, and even within the church. You start asking questions in the church, and you find some, some weird answers from people in the church as well. We got to get in the Word. 
We've got to get in the Word. And, and let me just say this before we get started here, that the Bible, God's Word, God's revealed truth is the ultimate authority in what we believe and in our behavior. And I think that's great because that just levels the playing field. There's no hierarchy here. I don't live by one standards and you live by another. You know, there isn't Bruce and then the, pa- and then the elders and then the teachers and then, and then there you are way down there. What is that? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we're our brothers and sisters and that Jesus is the head of the church and that God's truth is the ultimate authority in what we believe and what we practice in our lives. And that's just awesome because... You know, I can't go doing things that, that only apply to me, and then I, I tell you, like, no, you, you know, do what I tell you, don't do what I say. As sometimes us as parents tend to want to do. It's like, no, God's word needs to be the final authority in my life for what I believe and how I behave. So, awesome. Let's get to it here. We've got five points, and we don't have a lot of time. So, let's get started with the first point, which is the word of truth reveals. What does the word of God reveal? You know, I'm so glad that, that God not only revealed himself, but then he left his revelation in writing. That's really amazing. You ever gone to the bank and asked for money and they said, yeah, go ahead, here it is. I don't have to sign anything? No, just go ahead, take the money. Well, you know, just pay back whenever you can. When's the last time that happened at a bank? I don't know what kind of bank you bank at, but give me that number. What do they do? They put everything what? In writing. And, and most likely all of us, if you're old enough, you've probably gone through a situation where you wish you would have put something in writing. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right. Should have had that in writing. You know, when you put things in writing, there's a whole different ballgame. You could always go back and say, like, wait a minute, you said this. Remember you signed that? Well, this is God's promise to you and I. Uh, he didn't hesitate one bit to put it down in writing using the prophets in the Old Testament and special people, and over 40 individuals that he used to put this book together, all the way down to the apostles in the New Testament. It's amazing that we would have this love letter for us, available for any time we want to make time for God, and just get in it, open it up, and hear from God. The Bible is amazing. It's a wonderful treasure. And for us, you know, let me be honest with you. Growing up in the church, I always appreciated my church, loved the pastor, but I always grew up I think, with a healthy sense of a guilt trip. Healthy guilt trip. Because Pastor Saul would say, you should read your Bible every day. And I was sitting there thinking like, I haven't read it in a couple of days. You know, read the Bible every day. And then he would tell us like, I read my Bible every day for a couple hours in the morning and then in the afternoon and the evening. And I was like, oh man. But I thank God for that. I thank God for that. Because I think, humanly speaking, most of us, 99.9%, in case you're the 0.9.01% out there, most of us are, are rather lazy, undisciplined when it comes to God's Word. Uh, and, and we neglect it. And I'm amazed by it. How can we possibly neglect such a wonderful treasure? I don't know, but we do. We do. But we shouldn't. So the Word of God reveals. What does He reveal? He reveals Himself. You know, I was thinking about the, uh, the Athenians. They had, a, they had an altar for all these different gods that they worshipped. You know, and, you, know you look, look at Greek mythology. They had gods for everything. The god of the sun, the god of the moon, the god of everything. And then they had this one altar that had nothing on it. Remember that when Paul goes over there and speaks to them? And, and, and there was an inscription in this empty altar. And it said something like, 
you know, basically that altar was reserved for the unknown God, just in case they had missed a God. They had a God for everything, but surely they were smart enough to think maybe we missed someone. So let's not disrespect them. Let's build them an altar, even though we don't really know who he is, but we have an altar for him. And Paul says, I came to talk to you about your unknown God. Why is he able to do that? Because God has revealed himself through a lot of ways, through creation. I love, I was reading through Genesis, and, and it says that when he created Adam and Eve, you know, he would hang around with Adam. He didn't hide from them. He didn't just create humanity and then just kind of like went in the back, uh, you know, went backstage behind the scenes. He was a friend of Adam. They walked together. They talked. Adam was taught by God. They had this intimate relationship from the beginning. And then Romans 1, Paul says that, that everything about God can be seen through his creation. God is not hiding. If you're out there sitting thinking, you know, I don't know if I want to believe this. You know, who really knows? And I don't know if he's out there. Well, I want to challenge you to challenge God and say, Lord, are you really out there? Show me. And then hang on. All right? Some of you guys are like, yeah, I asked that question. Never again. Learn my lesson the first time. But ask him. Because he has revealed himself. It's not that he hasn't revealed himself. It's that maybe you're blinded or you're choosing not to look. And we're going to get to that a little bit. So God has revealed himself. Uh, so the word of truth reveals God. You read the Bible from the beginning. God, what? God created the heavens and the earth. And then he spoke everything into existence. It's the word of truth. And then he reveals who you are. There's a wonderful uh, hymn, old hymn. And uh, I know it's in English, but I grew up singing it in Spanish. It's called... Uh, Holy Bible, and that is in, in Spanish, it's Santa Biblia. And then it basically says, you tell me who I am, where I came from, and where I'm going. You know, God knows you better than you know yourself. When you start reading the Word, you're going to realize, whoa, I never knew that about me. God, not, The Bible, the Word of Truth, not only reveals God, but He also reveals to you who you really are. And I think it's amazing. So we believe in a God that makes himself known. Hebrews 11, 1 through 4, it says that God has always spoken to us in the past through the prophets, but I said again, through, through creation in other ways. But then he says, but in these days, he's spoken to us through his son, through Jesus, God in the flesh. He came to reveal the Father. And Jesus said, you know me, you know the Father. God is not hiding. We hide from God, right? As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They heard Jesus coming and they surprised them. They hid. They hid. We hide from God. God reveals himself. Uh, John 5, 39. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have or you find eternal life, but they are, it is they that testify of me. So Jesus was saying of, of the word that the word testifies of himself. And we'll get to verse 40 in a little bit. That was John 5, 539. And one more verse just in relation to the word of truth reveals. We believe in a God that reveals himself, a God that wants to be known. We believe in a God that knows you, but then he wants you to know him. And in John 73, Jesus speaking to the Father, he says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You want to find eternal life? Get to know God. You want to get to know God, you got to know your Bible. 
You don't know your Bible, you don't know God. You don't know your Bible, you probably believe something that somebody told you. You know, most people out there believe things about God, not what they've, not, not what they've studied or come to a conclusion based on the study of God's word, but based on culture, tradition, what their parents were taught. And it's like, what did they believe? Well, whatever they were taught. And what did they, well, whatever they were taught. And whatever their grandparents were taught. And what did they believe? Go down the line, whatever they were forced to believe. And yet that's what you're believing if you're not believing the word of God and instead trusting in your culture and in your traditions or in your family or or where you came from. Many times, uh, you know, religion is so embedded in our culture. You know, you belong to a certain culture. You kind of automatically belong to a certain religion. God didn't come to establish religions, but a relationship with him. One based in knowledge, knowledge of who we are as sinners in need of Christ, in need of grace, and a God who wants to be known, a God of grace, mercy, and life-giving, forgiveness. So the word of truth reveals who God is and who we are. And God doesn't hide. God wants to be known. So I guess the question would be, how well do you know God? The cool thing about God is that you're never going to exhaust his knowledge or knowledge about him. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about my pastor is after 60 years, he would say, I've been studying the Bible for 60 years, like studying the Bible. And then he would say, I'm talking when he was already like 85, and he would say, and one thing I realized is the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. And I would just be amazed about that. I'm like, what? You probably read the Bible like 100 times. You've preached like thousands of sermons. You've prepared so many things. And then for him to say, the more I study, the more I realize how little I know how ignorant I am. And he would say that constantly. So don't be afraid of studying the word too much. All right, I'm giving you permission right here. Don't be afraid of studying the word too much. Don't be like, no, nah, I already read it once this week. I, I, I don't want to learn the whole thing in one week. I'm just going to save some for next month. No, don't, don't. You could just read it. Read it through, you know, and, and it helps to be in a study group. It helps to have a place where you could ask questions. Nobody knows everything. We're all learning together. But it's, it's such a thrill to get to the point in your life where you enjoy studying God's word because you hear from him. The word of truth reveals. The second thing that the word does, the word of truth uh, is resisted. So the word doesn't do that. It is resisted um, from the beginning. From the beginning, God's word has always been resisted. And maybe some of you can remember this. See, I was, I was, I believe, blessed that I grew up in a, in a Christian church. And I don't remember a time where I didn't believe or trust the Bible. And, and I understand, I'm not saying that I was four and I was a theologian or anything, but, but I had this infantile faith. I never doubted the Bible. I always knew it. Not that I knew the whole thing, but whatever I was taught at church, I believed it. And then when I got old enough to study on my own, I believed it. You know, went to college and I know some people sometimes go through this rocky stage in college. I went to secular college. I went to Cal State LA. Golden Eagles out there anywhere? Oh, okay. Uh, I went to Cal State LA, and I had, you know, I had liberal professors, especially I remember my biology professor, and he would try to make fun of Christians. Uh, I took, you know, all the classes. You take your general electives, and, and you go through the same stuff. And just about every college, unless you go to a good Christian college, you get these liberal professors that, that, that think they, they know all this uh, or have this, all this knowledge, and they pick on Christians. But I remember going through school 
and feeling like everything that I learned, I always brought it back to the Bible, and I felt like my, even when they were trying to disprove the Bible, I felt like my faith just got stronger, even with these liberal professors. I, I believed it. And then God blessed me with, by confirming His Word through, through a, uh, a transformed life. And I knew God. You know, I, I knew I was born again. I knew I had a new life, a new purpose in life since I was young. And I'm appreciative of that. But I know some of us have a different story, right? Some of you, your friends started talking to you about Jesus, and you rejected it. How many, don't raise your hand. But how many of you had a, a relative or a friend that tried to speak to you about the gospel, and you resisted it? You guys remember that? Yeah. You probably said something like, oh, you guys are all crazy. You hallelujah people? No. And I love hearing testimonies of that. Until God softened your heart or broke your heart in order to get a hold of you. God's word is always resisted. And even as Christians, we can resist God's word. But if you're here, thank God. Thank God. Stop resisting. Accept it. Receive it. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, there was a, uh, an instance where God had told Adam, Hey, listen. Here's what you got to do. This is your purpose in life. This is what I have you here for. And by the way, go, you go ahead and eat of every tree that's out here in, in the garden, paradise, except for the one. Don't eat of that one because the day you will, you eat of it, you shall surely die. Stay away from it. Don't eat it. And that's God's word. That's God's revelation. That's God's uh, truth. And then here comes Eve. Yeah? Here comes Eve. Some of you are like, mm-hmm. Here comes Eve, and then she's checking out the fruit that she's not supposed to eat, and she's looking at it, it looks good. And then Satan, serpent, comes around and says, hey, uh, check this out. The first thing that Satan says to humanity, from what we could tell, is, has God really said? He tries to cast doubt in God's word. He had resisted. He got kicked out of heaven. But then he tries to bring that same content against God's word by influencing Eve and say, you know, did God really say that? Is that really what he meant? Come on. You know, and then he, he lies and deceives Eve and says, you know, he knows. He's not being truthful to you. Because God knows, Satan said. The serpent said, God knows that the day you eat of it, you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. You're going to have all this special knowledge. And Eve eats of it goes against God's word. She resists God's word and truth and believes uh, the lie from the enemy and eats. And then she gives them to her husband, right? Hey, he takes them too. Uh, and then here we are, broken and all messed up and needing of God's grace. Yet God's plan of redemption is so awesome that he would send Jesus to die on a cross a painful and shameful death to cover and cleanse us of our sin. So there is redemption for you. But nonetheless, the word of truth is always resisted. And, and I, I read to you John chapter 5, verse 39. Let me just read to you verse 40 as well. Because you see, the Pharisees were all into the word, into the law. And, and Jesus says this. He says, you search the scriptures, you study the word. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Jesus saying, you keep searching the word, but you don't realize that the word is talking about me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. 
We study the word to learn about Jesus, our Savior. And then verse 40, he tells them, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. He says, you study the scriptures, they point to me, but then you resist it and you don't come to me. And when you don't come to me, I can't give you eternal life. The word of God is always resisted. Not only is it, does it reveal it's resisted, but it's also rejected. It's also rejected. Uh, and thank God for his long suffering. Thank God for his grace and his mercy because some of us rejected God's word at the beginning. Some of us didn't want anything to do with God's word. We rejected it. We thought it was wrong. We thought we were good enough to make it into heaven, right? I don't need that. I'm good. I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody yet, you know? I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I think I'm good. And there's part of that deception and that confusion, thinking that we can be good enough to earn God's favor. You can't. You can only accept God's favor by grace. So the word of truth rejected. You know, every time that Paul preached, if you go through through the Acts, he would go to a new place and immediately he would start preaching. He would start teaching. He would go to synagogue or he would go anywhere. And over and over, there's this pattern. Some people believed, but a lot of people rejected. You know, don't be surprised that when you present the gospel, we would love to think that, you know, even in the church we think like, yo, God is love, he's going to save everybody. But then you preach the gospel and people reject it. Is God's love ineffective? Is this gospel not working anymore? Has it run out of gas? No. Same thing from the beginning. The gospel is often rejected. And that doesn't stop us from preaching or teaching God's word. But it's a reality. So Paul will go to any place. And why, why couldn't he stay there for very long? People were trying to kill him. From the get-go, he started preaching Christ. And they wanted to kill him. He had to escape through large baskets. Uh, they stoned him to death, left him as dead. Why? Because they accepted the word? They rejected the word. They had this animosity against God's word. They preferred their culture and their religion versus the truth of Christ. So the word of truth is often rejected. It happened to Paul, and ultimately it happened to our Lord Jesus. He came to bear truth, and what did people do? They hung him on a cross. And then Jesus says, hey, they rejected me, and they persecuted me. Don't think, it, don't think that's not going to happen to you. If you choose to follow Christ, you're going to see that people are not only going to reject him, but in rejecting him, they're going to reject you. And a lot of you have experienced that, yeah? You came to know the Lord. You started coming to a Christian church. Somebody, you know, uh, shared a little bit of a story this morning in our men's group. And you start going to a Christian church, and then your relatives find out. And they start picking on you, right? Why are you going there? You know, and then something bad happens to you. It's like, you know, that's happening to you because you're going to that church. A lot of you can identify with that. Well, you stay at it. You search the truth. And in searching the truth, people are going to reject you. But Jesus said, don't get all, all sad about it. As he told Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was crying, he said, what are you doing? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Relax. So it's going to happen to us too. So the word of truth is also rejected. Beloved, we just got to make sure that we're not rejecting God's truth. Even as Christians, even as followers, we can find ourselves rejecting God's truth. God tells us to do something and you didn't do it. What are you doing? You're rejecting God's truth for your life. 
We have to be very careful. So the word of truth is revealed. It's resisted. It's rejected. And I want to spend some time in this one. The word of truth received. Praise God for that. The word of God received. If you have a, uh, a personal relationship with Christ, it's because you were able to receive God's word. Somebody preached the gospel and you realized it was God's truth. And you were able to accept that. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the, it's the, it's the truth of God. Don't be surprised when people don't understand why you decided to, in their minds, change religion. Which, you know, by the way, here at Crosspoint, we don't believe in religion. We believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the revealed truth that we find in the Bible. All right, so the word of truth received, and we, we thank God for that. Uh, if you're here, you have personal relationship with God because you were able to receive God's word and why were you able to receive it? I don't know. I don't know. I know we get into some... Uh, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, my dad, I've told you before, my dad uh, was the first one in his family to, to come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he met a lot of resistance in his family. And he still has a lot of family members that aren't converted, that have not uh, come to faith. Even though he lived his life... Uh, Always trying to share God's word and God's message. And then you start asking, like, why, why, why my dad and why not my uncle or why not my, you know, cousin or, or so-and-so? They've heard the gospel. Why? What's, what's, what's going on? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, there's a really interesting story where uh, Jesus is with his disciples. And, you know, he's, he's been doing his ministry. A lot of people, there's still confusion about who he is. So Jesus asks his disciples, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And that's such an important question. Who do people say that I am? What's a public opinion about me, Jesus said. And then his disciples are like, well, you know, some people think you're John the Baptist, even though he was your cousin. And some people say you're Elijah, you're somebody, one of the prophets. And then Jesus says this. He says, all right, that's what people out there say, but who do you say that I am? That's an even better question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And beloved, your eternal state depends on answering that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just another teacher, another moral guide in our life, just like somebody else? Or is he who he said he is? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, truth by nature, is exclusive. So if this is the word of truth, then anything that contradicts this is not truth. So Jesus said, I am the truth. So what you answer to the question of who do you say that Jesus is is so important. Is he truth or is he not? And then Peter has a good answer, like, Peter, you got it right. Peter says, <clears throat> then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And listen to this. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. 
You understand what that says? You know, if you come to a relationship with God, it's not because you heard it from me. Oh, Mike said it so well. What did he say? I don't remember, but he said it so nice. It sounded nice. And it was kind of funny. It, that's not going to get you into heaven. It's going to be God revealing himself to you in the depths of your heart. You're going to be sitting there hearing my voice, but you know that God is speaking to you. There's no feeling better than that. Whether it's through a song, you're, we're singing these amazing songs, and, and I love the one in, a, in Spanish that says, I cried to you and you heard me. I cried to you in my need, in my anguish, in my desperate situation. And you, God, you heard me. You heard my cry. Love it. So the word of truth received. Um, You hear the word, and by God's grace, he will give you the faith to believe. He will give you the faith to believe. But you got to hear God's truth. How do you gain faith? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of truth. You're lacking faith? Get into the word. You don't have any faith? Definitely get into the word. You got a little bit of faith? Get into the word. You want more faith? Get into the word. You're not just going to like build your faith by saying like, I want more faith today. I'm going to be more faithful today. Get into the word, and the word of God will produce faith in you. Start wrapping it up here. I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter 2 and talking about the word of truth received. 1 Peter chapter 2. Because there are some, you know, it's not just coming and hearing. James talks about being doers of it. We mentioned it last week. You don't want to just hear God's word and then just say, oh, that was real nice and that's cool. Let's go have some lunch now. And forget about it. But let's be doers of the word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. There are some prerequisites here, Peter tells us, before we actually can receive the word of truth. Listen to this, prerequisites. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, 1, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, Envy and all evil speaking. He says, get rid of all that stuff first. Because if that stuff is in your heart, and you're harboring those things in your heart, God's word is not going to penetrate your heart. God says, get rid of all of that. Verse 2, and as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. You ever seen a newborn baby hungry? They're so cute. Right? I'm also like, yeah, I know. Now when they're crying for milk, they're annoying. (laughs) They're relentless. If they need milk and they're hungry, they don't care about anything else. They don't care if you're at church. They don't care if you're watching TV. They don't care if you're napping. All they know is they want milk and they want it now. They want it now. And then the dad comes around and is like, hey, buddy, look. Uh, Mom's getting your milk. Look at this. Your favorite toy. Your favorite game. I know you're five weeks old, but you can play this. Here you go. <laughs> and and a, they don't even care about the phone. 
And Peter says, desire, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. Do you desire God's word that way? You're relentless. You get up in the morning, you're like, where's my Bible? Honey, where'd you put my Bible? Or you're like, we're going to church, where's the Bible? Anybody seen the Bible? Oh, forget it, let's go. They have it up there anyway. Oh, we don't have it up there? <laughs> no, no. As newborn babes, just keep that in mind. Desire the pure milk of what? Of the word that you may grow thereby. You're still a baby Christian? You know, little waves come around, they're still knocking you down? Grow up with the word. Grow up with the word. And all of us are in the same process, growing in the word. But we need to desire it. Now, you're thinking like, oh, I don't desire it. Well, go to step one. Go to step one. Is there anything in your heart that you're harboring? Any malice in your heart? Any deceit? Any hypocrisy? Any envy? Any evil speaking going on? Get rid of that. And then you will desire the, the word of God. I love that. All right. So the word of truth received. Now, what should our... Uh, I was going to tell you guys about Cornelius, but there's no time for Cornelius. You guys read him up later. All the youth that come on Sunday evening know what we're talking about. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. But what an awesome story of Cornelius. And basically receiving God's word. And God going out of his way to make sure that he would reveal himself to Cornelius. And using Peter to, to get that done. So our response, what should our response be? Okay, Mike, yeah, I'm convicted. I, 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 don't, I don't read the word as I should, and I know I should, so uh, guilty as charged. And I want to, though. I want to get into God's word. I want to be a good testimony to my children. I want to, I want to get into God's word with my family. I want to be a spiritual leader in my family. I know I need to do it. So what should our response be for all of us? For all of us. Whether you're 10, 11 years old, uh, you know, I love how uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15 or so, he says, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. You have little kids, get the word in them. Get the word in them. Because they are able to make them wise unto salvation. You're a young individual here today, and I see nothing but young people here. Psalms 119 says, how should a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to God's word. You got issues going on? And boy, do we all got issues. Yes? We all got issues? We all got issues. How are you going to get rid of those? By heeding, taking heed to God's word. You're a, you're a parent or a grandparent? In that same portion, Paul tells, tells uh, Timothy, you know, that, that genuine faith that is in you, that was also in your mom and in your grandmother. Three generations the faith that was in grandma was in mom and is now in you, Timothy. Awesome. Grandparents, you have such, a, such an awesome opportunity to impact your grandkids with God's word. And parents, a duty and a responsibility and a privilege for us to be able to impact our children's lives for eternity with God's word. So what should our response be? First, we need to cherish it. Give it its proper value. 
There's nothing like this. Tested and proved. God's living holy word. Cherish it. Value it. I tell my kids, bring your Bible to church. They're like, but we have it on our phone. I know you do. Bring your Bible anyway. Carry it. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. We can't even carry your Bible. Carry your Bible. A brother said this morning, hey, you know, if your Bible, a dirty Bible is a clean heart, and a, and a clean Bible is a dirty heart. We're in a man's group because oh, well, I started looking at each other's Bible like, mm-hmm. <laughs> This is my new Bible, by the way, all right? I just got it yesterday. <laughs> I, I was already judging me. Like, it's still shiny. I can still see the gold. Pages are still stuck. Yeah, it's a new one. It's a new one. Cherish God's Word. I remember I visited one of my students' home, and boom, right in their living room, big old Bible the size of this pulpit. Open to Job. And uh, I thought, that's pretty cool. I've only seen that at churches. Back in our old church, we used to have a little table in the front, a big old Bible open right there. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. What a cool testimony. People go into your home, it's like, God's Word right there. Cherish it. Read it. I love my Bible. I love my Bible. Well, open it and read it. All right? Open it and read it. It's okay. Wear it out. Wear it out. Read it. Our response should be cherish it. Read it. Study it. Study it. Meditate on it. I love Psalms 1. Right? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But check this out. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it he meditates day and night. What do you think about all day? You got 24 hours. Like, well, I'm sleeping 10 of those. Even in your sleep, what do you, what do you think about? You know, most likely in your sleep you think about or you dream about things that you thought about during the day. Ever, ever prayed? You know, not that long ago, I, I started praying for that. You know, when I pray with my kids, like, Lord, you know, bless us, even in our sleep and even in our dreams. What kind of dreams do you guys have? Don't need to know. Don't need to know. But if you have any issues with your dreams, read the word and, and, and commend even your dreams to God. Cherish it, read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it. Memorize it. I always remember on a Wednesday night, we're sitting there, we're having our Bible study, smaller group, always on Wednesday night, and this, there was this, this family, these people that were there for the first time, nobody knew who they were, this really nice lady, super well-dressed on a Wednesday night, thinking like, well, where's she going? Uh, it was a Wednesday night service. She was really well-dressed. Pastor Delgado ends the service, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about, and this lady goes up, stands up, and says, he says, Pastor, she said it in Spanish. In Spanish, she said, Puedo compartir un salmito. She said, Can I share with you a little psalm? So Pastor Sal was like, It's a good-looking lady right here. Sure. So he moves over. She comes over here. She stands on the, pul- uh, on the pulpit, by the pulpit, and she recites Psalms 119 by heart. Somebody thinking, like, what's wrong with that? Psalms. It's got like 176 verses. <laughs> she recited the whole thing at the end of the service. First 10 verses were like, oh, that's pretty cool. She's going to really recite the whole thing? 
Verse 87, like, is she really going to recite the whole thing? Verse 120, she's like, no, she's not reciting the whole thing. She's reciting the whole thing. Like 10 o'clock, we want to go home already. Pretty, I don't know why she did it. Hopefully it was for the right reasons. I don't know what those would be, but, but memorize God's word. Memorize it. So when you're somewhere, you don't have access to your Bible, you can just be thinking about it. When you memorize it, you're going to be meditating on God's word. Cherish it, read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, practice it. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only, James says. Practice what you learn. Practice what you hear. Practice what God speaks to you about. And then lastly, you guys know what this is. Share it. People need to hear. People have to hear. Don't be afraid. Just be willing. Just be willing to say, you know, if God puts you in a situation, he has you there for a reason. And our our biggest priority, our biggest privilege is to be able to share God's word with anybody. Now, some are going to reject it. That's fine. Some people are going to make fun of you. That's okay. But there's people out there that God has set aside that are ready to hear the gospel. And God may use you to do it. What a privilege. What a privilege that is to be in a position where God would use you. And sometimes it doesn't take a lot. Sometimes it's, you know, here's a Bible. Here's a video. Here's a track. Hey, check out this. Oh, you know what you're talking about? My pastor just spoke about that. Download this app and check it out. Just put yourself out there and share it. God's word is amazing, beloved, that we would have the opportunity to know God and experience a relationship with him. Me, a sinful individual, have a relationship with the perfect and holy God only by his grace. That's what the gospel is. The good news of salvation is I am dead in trespasses and sins. And yet there's a God of love full of mercy and grace who's willing to say, I know who you are. And I know what you've done. But I love you. And I sent my son for you. To die in your place. In your place. So that he would take our shame and our sin and he will give us his righteousness and perfection. To God be the glory. Beloved, God bless you. We're going to have the band come up and sing a song.